Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to our next rendition of the Dilf Show. Andy Christopher here, the dad I listen to frequently with your nonstop knowledge and deep dive into what it's like to be a parent and be a dad. And we're getting into it. You know, we've been doing this a couple of months now and, um, you know, really getting some great feedback, really love all the interaction on, on the socials and via email and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, one of the things that has, has come up in many conversations is that, have you ever heard of the phrase, keep it simple, stupid, K-I-S-S? I think that so often in, in parenting and in life, we, we make things way harder than we potentially need it to just because we think we know better and we try to perceive every possible failed outcome of any given decision. And this can lead to a lot of things. It can lead to something known as analysis paralysis. Happens a lot to me um, in terms of not willing to take action on something just by overanalyzing what could go wrong. And I think so many of us would benefit by just keeping things simple. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today in regards to keeping things simple with your kids. Um, I'm also going to touch upon kind of kind of merging that into how hilariously irrational our kids can be. And bridging the two is is kind of, you know, kind of what the goal is here. But it's so funny that the best laid plans often go awry. And we we try so hard to to prepare everything and set everything up for for our kids that when we and then when we get in the moment, usually all of that goes to shit. And I'll tell you another story. This will be kind of a rendition of story time where this holds perfectly true. We just went to visit our friends in the Bay Area, and it was two-year-old's birthday party, Arlo's great friends with um, uh, one of our friend's daughters named Tilly. And we we get there. Everyone's excited to see everybody. It's just teed up for the Saturday birthday. And on Friday, we decide to go to the park and we we head out. It's right on the right on one of the bays there. Beautiful little park. And, you know, Arlo and Tilly are playing. And I was talking with my buddy, Zach, just saying like, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't pooped in a little while. I, I'm pretty certain he's just going to shit his pants here. You know, we were kind of laughing and joking. Ha ha ha. But I kept asking Arlo, like, do you need to go use the potty? Do you need to go use the potty? Because as I mentioned, we've been potty training him. Still hasn't pooped in the toilet. It is May 22nd. Still hasn't pooped in the toilet, like firmly and like with intent. And he keeps telling me, no, no, no. He's playing on the jungle gym. He's trying to impress Tilly, all that good stuff. Then he stops and he just looks at me the death stare, just look of eternal shame and um, confusion. And I ask him, I'm like, Arlo, are you going poo-poo? And he just looks at me. Usually he looks at me and he just says, no, no poo-poo. Looks at me this time and just goes, nods his head up and down. Yes. I don't have a change of clothes for him. We're just right by their, like near their house, but I didn't think it was change of clothes worthy. So I grab him. I run him to the the nearest bathroom, which is a little jaunt away. And um, he we end up getting some of the poop in the toilet. So I was really proud of him for that. You know, we we got some in. 
um, even though it wasn't direct. His his shorts were were ruined for the day. And so I had to take my shirt off and wrap him in it. I was just wearing this like blue shirt, put him in it. There's a really funny photo um, that's uh, that that maybe I can link here or something of him just in in my shirt with with no bottoms on because that's that's all we got. You pivot and you adjust, right? And then we you know we go back, we have a laugh about it with with our friends, go back to the house, and you know we think the worst is over. I'm getting him ready to you know bathe and go to bed little jerk shits his pants again well this one came out of nowhere okay this this was not my fault and so had to run him get him cleaned up the the whole deal again got him down for you know for bedtime but it just extended the whole process and then the the next day we we had gone to nap and he was about to fall asleep and i He's still wearing a diaper. It naps in it, and it's uh, you know nighttime sleep. And we were laying there, and I was I was scratching his his belly, and he, I'm just like, oh man, I forgot to put a diaper on him. I'm like, well, you know what? He already pooped twice yesterday. He's going to be just fine. There's there's no possible way that this is going to come out. And we were dealing with um, kind of a cleaning up for the party kind of deal, and there was some some people coming in and showing up. Then I see on the monitor that he's woken up. And I opened the door. He kind of backs away from the door. And he said, Arlo Poopoo, Arlo Poopoo and Potty. And points to the bathroom, to the toilet. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I I run over. I'm so stoked. There's nothing in there. Hmm. All right, Arlo, did you go poopoo? Yeah, poopoo and Potty. Arlo, can you show me where the poopoo is? He looks in the toilet and there's nothing there. He says, don't know. I'm like, uh-oh. Then, then the the warning bells, the red flags have gone off. This he shit in the bed. It's somewhere in this house or somewhere in this room. Looking around, have some help. Can't find it anywhere. It's not in the bed. It's not in any blankets. It's not on the ground. It's not in the trash can. It's definitely not in the toilet. We're looking around, can't find it. So we keep opening and closing the door, trying to figure out what's going like what's going on and where people are coming in and out of the door, and. All of a sudden, uh, their dog Otis pops in, and he starts sniffing something in the corner. I'm just like, God, this is this got to be it. Go over there, and what happened was, I think he was pooping while I was opening the door. The poop fell through and down his leg, and then it got stuck at the bottom between where the door hits the carpet and the door stopper. You know, the thing that goes, blah, 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 blah. you know, that well more eloquently, but you know what I mean, and. As people have been opening and closing the door, it's just been smearing like a windshield wiper effect on the carpet. And I felt so bad about this. But going into that trip, that was one of the last things that I perceived would possibly happen. And you can plan and you can plan and you can plan. But at the end of the day, your kids are going to be kids and you just have to continue to keep things simple. You have to keep asking them when they need to use the potty, when are they hungry? When are they thirsty? Those things don't change. And even when you think you've got it all figured out and buttoned up, boom, that's literally when your plans get shit on, right? So it was it was a wonderful weekend overall and we had so much fun, but it also brought to light all these little nuances and things that little man does. And now that I see more and more in, in just kids in general, just how like tiny cab drivers or 
people who like get mad when the, the line at Starbucks is too long, so highly irrational and unable to predict that behavior. And all these little moments throughout the day, like the other day, he refused, he refused to put on his shorts because he wanted to wear his pants on his head like a shirt. And he wouldn't put those pants on. So he had a shirt on already and he wanted to put another shirt on, which were his pants, but wouldn't put pants on where pants go. And we had to walk him, you know, walk the horse to water, so to speak, and try to get him to realize that we need to put pants on the bottom. We even joked and, you know, put it on our heads and things like that. But how do you, how do you game plan for that? How do you get past that when they're in their heads? This makes the most sense that anything has ever made sense in your entire life. The most crystallized that, no, this is the way it has to be. And I'm not going to settle for anything less. You're not going to talk me out of it. Nobody's going to talk me out of it. Another one, he he asked for um, a box of Cheez-Its. And then I brought the box of Cheez-Its out and he just lumped himself on the floor and cried and cried and cried and said, no Cheez-Its, no Cheez-Its, no Cheez-Its. I'm so sorry. I got so confused when you asked me for Cheez-Its and now you don't want them. They will flip a script so fast. It is almost impossible. And um, I, I touched upon the hot dog event where he wanted a hot dog. He'd never eaten a hot dog in his entire life. Gets the hot dog in front of him, doesn't know what to do with it, doesn't know how to eat it. The hot dog's too hot. Takes a couple bites of bread, goes and wants to play the arcade games that are nearby. You, oh, oh here's another one. He'll ask for a cup of milk. Please give me the milk. Give me the milk, right? You'll get him a cup. Not that cup. Well, why don't you show me which cup? Blue cup. All right. We grab the blue cup. Not that blue cup. This is the blue cup that you use all the time. No, blue cup. I think you're pointing at a green cup or a pink cup. Blue cup. He knows his colors. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's become a maestro of delaying bedtime and drawing stuff out in terms of how to get the maximal attention for as much time as possible. He is just absolutely a conductor at this stuff. It's great and frustrating all at the same time. But when you just want to pour a glass of milk and any couple do, what's the difference, dude? Just, just take the cup of milk. It's going to taste exactly the same once it's in there. Why are we having this discussion? What is going wrong here? So many of these little irrational events that I know parents go through. I'd love to hear any, please comment or share or send me an email about your irrational stories or like big, big time events like this, because they, they don't stop there. Um, oh, I, I think I mentioned this, this to me, actually, it feels irrational at first, but it actually seems highly rational if you don't know the difference. So as we're going through potty training, spoke about this on a previous episode, but he was afraid because he thought the poop was going to come out of his penis. And so he didn't want to poop because he thought it was going to hurt too badly. Because when we're wiping down his diaper from a poop, you know, it, it hurts, you know, you're, you're scrubbing the stuff off and it's thicker and whatever. He didn't want it to hurt. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's so irrational that it doesn't, he thinks that poop's going to come out of his, his, his wiener. Actually, 
it's the other side. He doesn't know any difference. He's never, he's never experienced it in the toilet. So on the flip side, it's one of the most highly rational things that I've ever witnessed as well. Um, he, he'll, he'll refuse to eat dinner at dinner time. We, as I mentioned, think it's really cool that we've tried to set aside 30 minutes a night for dinner. Like we, we, we want to set this routine, ask him about his day, ask him, did he make somebody happy today? Did he make somebody smile? What was something that he learned? I think this is just going to be building blocks for the future in terms of these conversations will continue and they won't be weird because they're not coming out of nowhere. And we just, we do it pretty much every single night, but he won't eat dinner during that time because he's too excited that we're around. He'll want to race around the house or do something else. But then, as I mentioned, he's, he's so elegant with drawing out his bedtime that, you know, we'll get up there and then he'll ask for his, then he'll ask for some cereal. He'll, he'll have a bite of something and he'll ask for something else. That to me, it sometimes gets on my last nerve because it draws out, it draws out the parents' bedtime as well. I mean, there are times when, you know, myself or Julia, we've had to be in there well an hour and a half past. And when you're counting on a certain amount of time to kind of close out your own day, it gets really frustrating. And, you know, there are different styles of putting your children down to bed. You know, people will throw their kids in the bed and say, Hey, good night. Love you. Some people will stay with them the entire time. Some people, you know, you you get them out, you kick them out of the bed at certain times. Arlo never really slept in the bed with us, but we had to pivot to have him learn that because we took so many little driving trips and, you know, flights, places that we couldn't, and he got too big for a pack and play that we couldn't just put him on the floor by himself. And he started to open the doors at the same time. So it was just kind of the perfect storm. So we had him sleep in the bed with us and then we got him his own mattress. So he's firmly sleeping on, you know, his own space. Um, but, and, and, and it's not the same for every single parent, but when we like for us, we typically will be in there for 15, 20 minutes. We'll read books. We'll let him know that we're turning off the light. I'll let him know that I'm going to give him some, some chest and back scratches. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the room at this time, but there's, there's a good amount of time that we spend interacting at bedtime. It's not the same for everyone, but to each their own. And when you're counting on, let's say that 30 minutes and all of a sudden it's an hour 15, an hour and a half, an hour 45, and he just won't settle down or whatever it is. It just, it eats at you. It gets to you. And it, you know, you want to get to sleep. You, you know how valuable it is, especially for us. I've, you know, in, in my work industry, it's like, all right, get up and go do, you know, get, get people on the phone and and start grinding away. But right now, baby girl is she's knocking at the door and no joke. She is, she's literally like, you could see her trying to get out of the, the uterus. Julia's had a, already a couple contractions We're we're right on the cusp. And so I'm trying to sleep in as much as I can, you know, without, without sacrificing any of my other responsibilities, but even sleeping in, I mean, that means what seven o'clock, something along those lines. And you, you have that set amount of time. And if you don't want to eat into it at the end of the night, then it's like, dude, we got to, our, our sleep hygiene, our sleep routine needs to stay pretty intact. And you get this irrational behavior and these irrational requests, and it can, it can absolutely drive you up the wall. But what I encourage you to do 
throughout all these requests is just stay back to your fundamental basics. Know, knowing what their creature comforts are, knowing what will make them happy without just you know putting them in front of a TV screen or giving them candy or something that might have become part of you know a special routine or something like that. You got to have those silver bullets ready to go in order to bring them back to earth. And I've also really found that allowing them their own space at this age. So Arlo's about, you know, two and a half or so allowing them their own space. Once they've hit a meltdown mode, or once you've hit a brick wall, you can't just keep imposing your will upon someone who is not, you can't barter with this person, you know, unstoppable force meets immovable object. Well, instead of me being the unstoppable force, I've learned to stop. I've learned to just let it be because this is not an argument I'm going to win. This is not an argument that's going to be understood or well-received. And so, hey, I, I love you. I hear your concerns. I'm going to let you feel this one out, buddy. And then let it dissipate in whatever time it will. Sometimes that's all you can do. And that's as simple as you can keep something is removing yourself from that situation. But when you know Arlo's he's still kind of in that snack phase. He's not eating a ton of, you know, what we would consider like concrete dinner foods or lunch foods or breakfast foods. And so you just have to, you know, keep presenting them with the options, but don't let it eat into your frustration and stress levels simply because they're not eating the risotto or the, you know, pesto sauce that you made, right? Sometimes it just smells weird or it's funky at that point in time, or they're not hungry. We have no idea. Sorry, just burped. We have no idea what's going on in their bellies, in their minds, and in their hearts at any given moment. And um, if you stay grounded within yourself and you you have your routine and you have your baseline understanding of your child, revert to back to that in times of stress and distress. And often, more often than not, I found those little those little triggers and those little like base points resolve the issue far more than me digging my heels in deeper to try to prove to my two and a half year old that this is the way it has to be. And as, as there is comprehension and understanding, you don't want to let them take advantage of you or your time or anything. So just like with anything else, you're the one that sets your own boundaries. You might have to deal with, you know, like with Arlo, we get some, some headbutts to the, to the quad. We get some Oh my gosh, we get some face, some face scratches. I he literally tried to joker me, he tried to put a smile on my face the like two weeks ago. His, his nails, and he just we got out of the bath and he just literally he just dug his nails in and just gave me a little smile right there. And then the other day, it's it, you can't really see it right here. It's he it just literally gouged a chunk of my face out because he was so happy and he was so excited that he just wanted to grab my face irrational behavior at its finest, but you, it's, it's part of the the trials and tribulations and failing forward as we've referenced many times here as a parent, as you know, you're ever going to experience. And the reactionary side of it has to be on an even keel. It, It has to be something that continues to present yourself and what you hope and aspire your children to be. And it's easier said than done. I am the first one to admit that. And I'm the first one to admit that there are times when I've yelled at him when I shouldn't have, or I've been curt or more frustrated or dismissive 
when I shouldn't have and when I should have provided empathy and compassion. And it's like this brief moment, but you feel it and you're just like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And there's, I, I, I don't want to backtrack and just apologize for everything, but I want them to know that I understood that that my behavior was irrational in that moment. And it's all part of the, all part of the growing sphere, all part of the evolution of us in as being parents, you know, in, in our own way, shape and form, but they're going to be crazy irrational. Um, you know, like he won't, he won't let me rub, get like two pounds of boogers off his face to, to clean them up. And he keeps wiping them all over his, you know, his arm and his sleeves and over more of his face, which leads to chapping, which leads to cuts, but he'll gouge his wrist and his forearm into my beard because it's fuzzy and he'll laugh hysterically about it. What's that about, dude? <laughs> right? It's, it's all part of the ride, my friends. And you're not alone. You're, you're not alone going through what you're going through right now. Um, we, you know, we're excited to see he's starting to acknowledge that baby girl is coming and starting to get a, that we think a better understanding of potentially what's happening, but then he'll freak out and treat Julia very aggressively and irrationally because he senses that chemically something's going on in her body and he can't do anything about it right now. Kids are way smarter than us in that regard and in, in knowing what's going on in like kind of the meta, the metaphysical, like internal structure of, of ourselves. He picks up on my, you know, frustration and stress really, really well. And I think that's when he tries to get me to race around the house or something and try to get my mind off of it. Bless his soul. Um, but we all go through it. Go back to your, your baseline understanding of your child. Keep it simple, stupid. There is a phrase called Occam's razor that the, the, the simplest explanation is usually the correct explanation. And when it comes to an irrational being, why are they being irrational right now? Because they don't know any better, because they're exploring, because they're growing, because they're tired and hungry, or they're overtired, or they're not hungry. And it's, you, you just have to go back to, you know, back to what you know, when it comes to those moments and, um, and really just, just keep your, keep your ego and keep your frustrations in check as best as you can. And then, you know, you could beat up a body pillow or do yoga or, you know, go for a run and do something to, to exhale that from your body, so to speak. So I hope that was a little bit of insight into the, uh, into the toddler world as it is right now. It's all I got for you this week. And, um, you know, as always, I thank you so much for tuning in and, uh, and paying attention to this crazy ride of dadhood and parenthood. So Andy Christopher signing off for now, the dad I listen to frequently, AKA the DILF. I love you. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Go have a great one and go say, I love you to someone.